Let us stand together with Bibles in hand. Turn to John chapter 5. If you need a Bible, look there in front of you. Grab one of those pew Bibles. Use it as your very own. If you need to take it home with you, please do. Let it be a gift. It's the greatest gift you'll receive. Pointing your eyes to Jesus Christ. And today, we look to Christ in the Scriptures. We're in John chapter 5. If you need a shortcut there in the Pew Bible, it's page 890. And you'll be there with us. And Mr. Mike, thank you so much for sharing with us. What a great testimony. We appreciate your faithfulness in carrying the word. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news of Jesus Christ. What a powerful story of the father there in India who was preparing the meal with rat poison. All of that could only come because his heart was poisoned with sin. And yet, as we just sang, behold, the lamb, and here comes the daughter through the doors with the word of God. God is good. He is gracious. He is kind. I hope stories like this today give us a greater appreciation for what we hold in our hands and what we're about to read. What a gift we have of all the things that we could possess. Nothing greater than a relationship with Jesus Christ and growing in him through his word. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. 
sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to us now through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we ask the question, do you want to be healed? The same question that Jesus asked this man by the pool. May we answer honestly. And Father, where we struggle to answer this question, give us strength by your grace. Father, it's the desire of my heart that everyone in this room can honestly answer, yes. I want to be healed by Christ. May your grace be upon us that this may be true. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. Last week, we asked the question, what does it take to believe in Jesus? And the answer is trust. It takes trust to believe in Jesus, which then we asked, is there anything more important than trusting in Jesus? Is there anything in life more important than trusting in Jesus? Today, we ask this question, the same Jesus, question that Jesus asked this man, do you want to be healed? One question, main theme, taken straight from the text. We're going to spend this week asking this question and answering the question. Next week, we will focus more on the conflict of the Sabbath, which I think will fall in line with all of our ladies next week. It's going to be a special emphasis on how hard you work, how you serve, and you're in much need of rest. And there's no greater rest than in the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. But I don't want to give it all away, so we'll save that part for next week. This week, do you want to be healed? First thing we see in, in verse 1 is that Jesus worked within a divine time frame, which means he was intentional. Read with me again. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, if we're just reading to read, we could read right over this and miss it. Jesus worked within a divine time frame. After this, after what? What had already taken place? Well, we've read previously of a Samaritan woman and many Samaritans who believed in the Christ. Following that, an official who worked under Herod believed in the Christ. And not only was his son healed, which is what brought him to Jesus in the first place, but his whole household believed in the Christ. Now, the Christ is headed 
to his next divine appointment. Everything is on purpose. John 6, 38 reads, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Everything Jesus does, or everything Jesus did when he was here on this earth, was to glorify the Father. This was his purpose, to glorify the Father in all things. Which leads us to this question. Are you living with a purpose? Right now, in your life, are you living with a purpose? Trusting that you are being guided by the divine. The invalid man in this passage appears to have no purpose in life. He has lost all hope. Let's read it once again. Verse 2. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now for me, this stands out to me, this passage. 38 years, I'm 38 years old. So I imagine my whole life struggling with being lame, sitting by a pool, possibly all of those 38 years. Maybe he was close to the pool to begin with. Many people jumped in front of him. Now he's given up. Maybe he's up in the shade underneath the colonnade there. He's given up. There's a question that's going to be asked to him. Do you want to be healed? You see, Jesus knew all about this place and all about the people who thronged around. He knew the blind, he knew the lame, and the paralyzed. He knew the popular legends attached to the pool. He knew every person there and all their hopes, frustrations, disappointments, and their anticipation. One man out of the multitude of invalids. We don't know how many, but imagine hundreds gathered together in their sickness This would have been in view of the temple. And I imagine that this one man sitting under the shade, having given up, would see the temple and only wish that he could advance into the courts. Maybe he had a strong desire to be there. And I'll tell you why in a minute. There's good news on this day. But the good shepherd comes through the sheep gate in Jerusalem. And this man, sick for 38 years, his eyes have been transfixed on a healing pool, which by legend believed that an angel would come stir the waters. But probably what was happening, that periodically a ripple was caused due to a spring underneath. But yet there was a legend that if you would go jump in that pool, the first one in, would be healed. Every man for himself. If you had some buddies, maybe they would pick you up and and launch you into the water. 
this water pool of Bethesda was really ineffectual. Just like the ritual water in most of the preceding chapters we've already read. Although John the Baptist was doing a great work with with baptism and preparing the way for the king, that water in which he was baptizing people was ineffectual to save someone of their sin. The ritual purity that we saw in chapter 2, the stone jars of water, those couldn't save anyone. Chapter 3, the proselyte baptism and pointing Nicodemus to the true water, the true spirit. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Or the Samaritan water of Jacob's well in chapter 4. Could not save. And these waters in chapter 5, although if you were the first man to jump in, even if it did make you well, it could not save you. It could not save a soul. The water pools of Bethesda were as large as a football field. So imagine it's a, it's a big body of water. A lot of people crowded around. The five porticos represent a porch on each of the four sides, and one separating two pools, perhaps to separate the men and the women. Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time. Which makes us ask this question, how, how did Jesus know this? Where did he receive his information that this man had been there for a long time? I mean, Jesus hasn't been hanging out there this whole time. How did he know? This is the sovereignty of God on public display. He's always known this man. He's always known this moment. It's the divine appointment in which he would come through the sheep gate as the good shepherd. He knows this guy. And he knows how long he's been sick. And here's the question for him. Do you want to be healed? When we read this, do you not ask this question, was this really necessary? This is not to make fun of Jesus or to belittle the words of Jesus, but you read it and sometimes it does not make sense for us. Do you want to be healed? He's, he's been lame for 38 years and the first thing you say to him when you walk up, you ask him a question, do you want to be healed? I mean, that's like driving down the interstate and seeing somebody walking alongside the road with a gas can in their hand sweating profusely, and you, you pull over, and the first question you ask them is, hey, you out of gas? No, ma'am. I just like walking along the interstate with a gas can. Just what I do on the weekends. It's a lot of fun. You should try it. Of course he's out of gas. You walk into a restaurant. You see friends, you know, and they're, they're enjoying their meal. Hey, what are you guys doing here? I don't know. Figure we'd come get a bite to eat. Maybe a good idea. You already know the answer. Or you ask a football coach, hey, coach, you think your team's going to win this weekend? 
What's he going to say? Well, we practice real hard. Our opponent's really good. You know, we got a lot of things to work on. Uh, but, you know, if we play our game, it could be a close game. You know, we'll, we'll see. You get nothing out of that coach. Nothing. It's a useless question. He's not going to say, yeah, I think we'll hang 50 on him this weekend. That doesn't happen unless you're Steve Spurrier. So when Jesus asked this question, what does he mean? Well, remember, Jesus looks through the heart. And he's asking this question because this is an all-important question. It's a heart-probing question. I, I can make you walk. You don't need that water. I don't have to throw you in there. We don't have to make a big spectacle. I can heal you right now. But do you really want to be healed? Do you really want to be healed? J.A. Finley tells us that in the Middle East and in some places today, a man who was healed would lose a good living. So in fact, there are invalids whose situations were preferable. They would rather be sick. They would rather stay where they are. Less would be required of them. Understand that if you are healed by Christ Jesus, there is much required of you. Maybe he doesn't really want to be healed. Notice that the answer from this man was never yes, was it? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. His response resembles that of every lost person in their sins. I just have bad luck. If I just keep trying, maybe I'll get there soon. I just need to do better than this large mass of people around me. I just need to outdo everyone else and then I'll be okay. I'm just waiting for my prime opportunity. Others have stepped down before him for 38 years. And now Jesus has stepped down before him, this one man, and asked him an all-important question, do you want to be healed? The man was physically lame, but he was also spiritually blind to the one who stood before him. But Jesus continues forward with grace. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. He commands the lame man to get up and walk. Now, I imagine after 38 years that this was not a calm scene. It's kind of like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, Grandpa lying in the bed the whole time. Little Charlie comes in with the golden ticket. I have the golden ticket. Grandpa, I want you to go. You want me to go? Yeah, I want you to go. You come with me. Grandpa gets out of bed, starts dancing. I've got the golden ticket. This man has been given a golden ticket. I imagine that he's leaping, he's dancing. He's excited, and everybody else is saying, hey, you didn't even go under the water. Come on. He's been fully healed. Fully healed. Jesus didn't say, hey, 
let's try getting up a little bit here. Okay, I want you to stretch a little bit. I'm going I'm to come back tomorrow. We're going to work on this again, and I'll be here three times a week, and after three weeks, I'll come two times a week, and then by that time, you should be able to walk. No, none of that physical therapy. He says, get up, walk, fully restored right there, able to walk. You see, we will see the call to walk throughout the book of John. John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The question is, will this man walk in the light or will he now walk in darkness? He had been walking in darkness Although sitting down spiritually, he had been walking in darkness, and now he can physically walk, but will he continue in darkness, or will he walk in the light? Why this one man among all the others? I mean, all these people were sick. We ask this question, why didn't he heal everybody? If everybody's there, Jesus, if you're going to do something for one, you need to do it for all. Well, this isn't third grade logic where you bring a piece of candy and everybody has to have a piece. This is a sovereign God who gives his grace and no one deserves it. It's not up to us to say, oh, well, if you're going to show your grace, which no one deserves, then everyone needs your grace, Jesus. That line of reasoning comes from a poisoned heart of sin. This is grace. What was the exchange? How is this possible? Well, if we look in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, we get a glimpse of this exchange. Husbands, love your wives. Before you say, hey, where are you going with this? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. She might be holy and without blemish. He would stand in our place. He would take upon sin. He would pay for that sin. He would take on the spots. He would be wrinkled. He'd take on the blemishes beaten, bloodied, unrecognizable so that we can stand before him as a radiant, beautiful bride. And believe me, as we look in the word, he will recognize us. The great exchange. He took on our sin. He gave us his righteousness. Did this one man out of a multitude really want to be healed? There are pretty much two opinions here. As you continue to read, you could come to the conclusion that yes, he did. He just wanted to proclaim the name of Jesus. But after reading through this over and over, I believe that no, he did not want to be fully healed. Let's follow. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. 
They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Verse 14, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. This man has been made to walk. Where does he go? Immediately, where does he go? Into the temple courts. Oh, he had dreams of going before the Jewish leaders. Being in the temple courts, not being able to go because of his sickness, and now he is able to freely enter in. This is what he does with his freedom of entrance. Jesus finds him. He says, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you which leads us to believe that it was his sin that brought on this sickness. 38 years before. So what is he going to be? What is he going to do? How is he going to respond? Verse 15, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Jesus is saying, if you really want to be healed, go and sin no more. You want to see the evidence? You want to see if this man is truly healed, spiritually healed, to follow Christ? Let's look at his response. He turned away by turning on Jesus and turning his name into the Jews. He feared the Jews more than he did Jesus. It is a Judas Iscariot type moment. He forsook his mission field for fear of the Jews. Can you imagine this man who has been healed could carry the good news of Jesus to all of these people underneath the porticos? What an amazing opportunity. What an incredible mission field. No, instead he goes to the religious leaders and says, it was Jesus You want to know it was Jesus. It was Jesus who made me well. It was Jesus who immediately healed me. Now that I can walk, now that I have my freedom, I don't need Jesus. But if you're wondering, it was him. This is a confession of someone who did not really want to be healed. Now, how does this apply to us today? Well, the question is, do you want to be healed? Really, do you want to be healed? Are you healed in Christ Jesus? Are you a new creation? Have you gone from the old to the new? All your works, those filthy rags, have they been put away so you can be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Have you been healed in Christ? But do you really want to be healed in Christ? Do you really want to follow Jesus? Well, how do I know? Who do you fear? Do you fear the Christ? Or do you fear the world? Who do you fear? You see, if you want to be healed, then we receive the command to go and sin no more. This does not mean perfection. It just means that every day when we wake up, we have the privilege of trusting in the work of Jesus Christ, which has already been done. It is finished. And yet we walk in that victory and we pray that we would love walking in the righteousness of Jesus and hate the sin that used to hold us captive, hold us prisoner. 
in which we were dead in our sins. We say, no more. I want to walk in Christ Jesus. Is that the desire of your heart? Do you really want to walk in victory or is there a sin that has gripped you? And you say, I'd rather have the sin than him. This is meant to be a heart-proving question for all of us today. To pause in the midst of our busyness and answer the question, do we really want to be made well? Are you afraid of what you may lose if you really are healed? Are you really afraid to let go? And so you may ask this question, how is it even possible that I can be healed? Again, hear it. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. It's trusting his word. Do you believe that he stood in your place? Do you believe that he took on your sin? You believe that he would make you a new creation? Do you really want to be a new creation? Are you ready for the responsibility of being a new creation by following him daily? It's only made possible by his grace. And if right now you're wrestling with this question and you're honestly saying, Brian, I don't know. Would you confess that to the Lord? Lord, I don't really know if I want to be healed, but I know that my greatest need is to be healed by your grace through the work of Jesus. Heal me. Help my unbelief. For every Christian in this room, this is one of those moments where you pause and you reflect and you ask the question, am I faithfully following Christ? Do I truly want to faithfully follow him? Help me, Lord persevere until the end. May we not be like this man who's been made to walk, but yet we use this grace, common grace, to go and continue to walk in sin. But may we be grateful for all that God has given us. And may we see his grace at work and may we confess that Jesus is the Christ and faithfully follow him. Let us pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the faithfulness of your word, how we stand upon it, how we trust it. We ask now, Lord, as we seek to answer this question, may we answer honestly. If our answer is yes, may we faithfully follow you. Empower us, help us where we are weak. Thank you. Thank you for your grace in making it possible for us to be healed. Cure us, Lord. Heal us. Drive out sin from us. And may we take this good news to those around us in the world. 
May we ask the question to them, do you want to be healed? And Father, I pray that this week as we are faithful to present the gospel, that there will be those among us in this community that answer yes, and indeed, they are healed. We thank you, Father, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.